Welcome to Locked On NFL, your number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, we've got a full slate today, Matt. Uh, we talked Raiders yesterday with Q from Locked On Raiders. Some good information there. I know you have as we have with all the teams and hosts we've talked to, you have some extra information, some supplemental information in your spreadsheet, your a serial killer spreadsheet, as I like to call it. I, I love, <laughs> yeah. I like, I say that lovingly. I love the spreadsheet stuff. Um, and then uh, so, some other news around the league. Ruggs injured himself off the field. Mike Zimmer, interesting quote on Stefan Diggs. Uh, but before we get all that stuff, I mean, we have to address what's going on in the world right now. And, as things happen socially and culturally, it clashes with the NFL, obviously, and collides with the NFL. And numerous statements, numerous people chiming in on what's happening in the world. I want to start with a statement from Roger Goodell, the commish. And he said, quote, The NFL family is greatly saddened by the tragic events across our country. The protesters' reactions to these incidents reflect the pain, anger, and frustration that so many of us feel. Our deepest condolences go out to the family of Mr. George Floyd and to those who have lost loved ones, including the families of Ms. Breonna Taylor in Louisville and Mr. Ahmaud Arbery, the cousin of Tracy Walker of the Detroit Lions. As current events dramatically underscore, there remains much more to do as a country and as a league. These tragedies inform the NFL's commitment and our ongoing efforts. There remains an urgent need for action. We recognize the power of our platform in communities and as part of the fabric of American society. We embrace that responsibility and are committed to continuing the important work to address these systemic issues together with our players, clubs, and partners, end quote. That the message from the league and commissioner Roger Goodell. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad the NFL is recognizing it. Uh, you and I weren't sure if we were even going to talk about it because, frankly, most people listening know way more about this than me. And I know about guard play and corner play and depth charts and things like that. But I will say this late, latest incident really hit home with me because there was a lot going on in downtown Pittsburgh. And it takes a lot for my heart to feel heavy on such matters, but it really did because it was close to home and defacing property in my hometown. And uh, it just hit a little harder than some of the other things in the past that have gone on. Um, Obviously it's a huge issue though, with players. I mean, going back to, to Kaepernick and um, I, I, I don't really know how to talk about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not ignoring it. I'm not, not taking a stand or anything like that. Obviously there's a huge problem. I think, you know, looting and rioting is obviously not the answer. And that really bothers me that it gets to that point to get people's attention. But I guess some think that's the only way to get people's attention. Yeah. Some people feel like they need to get louder and get. Yeah. uh, And obviously there's so much anger and frustration and that's what it all boils down to. And you said it. And Richard Sherman, actually, in his statement with uh, Albert Breer, that's in the Monday morning quarterback article this week he talked about how some players don't feel comfortable and i know it's like you you he said you don't have to force every player into being an activist and speaking out if that's not their thing and and right but he was impressed by some white folks that did speak up and that is important 
specifically some white quarterbacks around the league and numerous white quarterbacks around the league because that might hit differently for some folks. And a few years removed now, even if you didn't like it at the time, you have to understand why Colin Kaepernick took a knee. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. the big thing that I take away from this is, like, that was a very nonviolent protest. And people didn't hear it. And here we are again. To me, Kaepernick ages very well in all of this. And Anthony Lynn talked about that recently. And Brian Flores had a really great statement uh, on the situation. Um, I talked about Sherman. Jed York donating a million dollars to the cause and uh, the league's efforts to fixing up these problems. And I know I know some people roll their eyes at the league's statement because they weren't necessarily behind Kaepernick in this movement from the start either. Right. I mean, that remember what a huge deal that was. And um, I'm not using this podcast to make a political stand or I mean, that's not who I am. And it's really not my wheelhouse at all. But there is a quote that I heard from someone much smarter than me way back when that's always stuck with me, and I wish I could tell you who told, said it, but that, that racism is America's birth defect. And I really believe that to be true in that when America was founded, you know, people came from all over and inherently probably didn't understand each other all that well. They didn't all come from the same place, let alone African Americans who were brought here against their will originally. And um, you know, I, I, part of me thinks, wow, it's amazing that my parents tell stories of, you know, their parents telling stories about, you know, the segregated water fountains and not allowed to go to different colleges or vote or all the terrible things that happened in the 50s. And then you think about humankind, that's only 80 years ago. You know, I mean, when you, you know, talk about evolution and how things have changed dramatically for the better. But that's no excuse. You know, I mean, we should be we're smarter now. We, you know, just because all the, our roots are hard to overcome from where America all was created, that doesn't make any of this OK. Just because we've come a long way in the last 80 years, 100 years, 200 years, which is nothing in the terms of history. But I really think that, you know, racism is America's birth defect that sticks with me a lot. And um, I, I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's well said, Matt. Uh, the The only thing I can say is be good to each other. Learn about your neighbors. We're all in this world. We get one shot at this. Let's do it together. So be safe, be good to each other, and let's learn from all this instead of trying to you know throw grenades from long distance at each other and try to pretend that there's two sides to any of this. It's not. It's one side. It's all of us together. So be safe. Let's Let's work through this together and be good to each other out there. Yeah, and kind of tie it back to football a little bit too. Something that also stuck with me is when we were when I was at Pitt and we would travel on the road or we always got a hotel the night before a home game too. Our director of football operations, Crystal Sala, who I learned a ton from, I kind of look at as a mentor in this business, would always tell the players, hey, I want you to treat these rooms as if your mom or dad is the one in charge of cleaning them. And I think that's just a good way to look at life, you know. Think about what everyone's dealing with and, you know, think about for two seconds through someone else's eyes for once. Well said. Well said. Um, I want to get to the Raiders stuff that we talked about there. The spreadsheet. We've got some. Yeah, we've got some (laughs) NFL news, which I think we're both more comfortable talking. But uh, and, and as Matt said. There's people much smarter than us speaking on these issues. Go listen to those folks, and uh, let's get through this together. 
Folks, we have a, a new sponsor, which just shows how much the, the network's growing. And if you're interested in sponsor, you know, getting on this co- podcast as a sponsor, contact us or David Locke. But uh, the, our new group here is rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They really have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and extremely easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and the prices you prefer. So, but best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend twice as much at you know the, for the same parts when you can get them at rockauto.com? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you will need for your car that you'll ever, ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, Matt, maybe we should preface this for some listeners who maybe haven't been tuning in and, and haven't heard about your spreadsheet, what it is, and how it pertains to the Oakland Raiders in our conversation with Q yesterday. Really good conversation with Q, first of all. And I have some negative things to say about the Raiders. And trust me, I didn't hold back because I didn't want to hurt Q's <laughs> feelings or anything like that. We just kind of ran out of time and he was rolling. And anyone who listens to Locked On Raiders knows he can go and go, which is awesome. He's a great guest. But here's my thoughts on the Raiders. And it's going to sound more negative than it really is. Because if you listen to yesterday's show, there's a lot I'm encouraged about. And I think that Mayock and Gruden are doing a good job. They took over a really difficult situation. But I've placed one bet so far on over-under win totals, and it's under on the Raiders. And first of all, I mean, that that number is seven and a half. Part of it's because I think their division's really hard, and I think they're the fourth team in that division. Not by leaps and bounds, but, I mean, are they going to be two and four in the in the West? I mean, I would take that if I was the Raiders. I mean, new new building um, not a great time to be tra- changing teams or changing cities and buildings and all those things. So I just want to, Brian, I'm going to get your thoughts on that before we dig into the spreadsheet stuff. So, I mean, I think getting to eight wins is going to be really difficult for this team. And I don't know that they'll would go two and four in the West. It's difficult because some of the teams I really like to take a step also have really tough schedules and tough divisions. And you can't have four teams with or very, very unlikely to have four teams with 10 wins in one division. Right. And everybody getting into the playoffs. So somebody's got to falter. Somebody is going to take a big leap and take that next step. And in the AFC West specifically, I could see any of those teams being in the mix. And with a team that's so good, like the Kansas City Chiefs already there. And then the other teams maybe fighting for the scraps and, and one of those teams get in. Which of those teams do you put money on? getting in there um i don't know uh, and maybe it's drinking the kool-aid because we have the hosts on and they paint a pretty rosy picture most of the course, time about course, their yeah. teams and almost every time i'm like it was like that with the broncos like yeah i kind of believe in the broncos you know i like where they're going with this and i felt the same way after talking to q yesterday i kind of believe in the raiders i like the direction this thing is going but with almost every team in the league you can see how a team can go from 
worst to first really easily, but you can also see how a team's like, wow, but yeah, there's this too. And I don't feel super comfortable saying yet Raiders are that playoff team this year, even though I like the direction. Right. And I always, always say this. And if you're not sick of hearing it by now from me, you will be. And next year you will be at this time and the year after that, Brian, but it's the season of eternal optimism. You know, all these draft picks are going to be great. And Abram's going to come back and cars. I mean, everyone's, no one's going to get hurt. We're going to be healthier than last year. I love that saying, or, you know, we got all these, all these first round picks that are going to come in and step right in. No one's going to have any growing pain. So it's a very easy time of year to paint a rosy picture, but some of these numbers, I don't think will. And first off, they, they won seven games last year. And that was surprising to me. I mean, that they got to that number. Um, Cause I didn't think they were a, middle of the road type of team, but they also played one of the easiest schedules in the league. I mean, in terms of winning percentage of the teams they played last year was very low. It was one of the easiest. And now they go to one of the hardest. I mean, it's a 29th easiest. I mean, the third hardest, fourth hardest schedule that they have in front of them. And a lot of that has to do with the division they're in. Of course, they were one of two teams with the Steelers that when you look at Average yards gained per offensive play minus average yards gained per defensive play ended up exactly even. You know, they were, again, Pittsburgh and Oakland, they were Oakland back then, were both exactly even, which implies that they're a mediocre, you know, running the you know, eight and eight type of team. But their point differential was minus 108, you know, which is, you know, they basically won close games and got beat bad by good teams, is really what happened. And they were bad on special teams. They were very injured last year. So I think actually those two things bode positively going forward. You'll probably get better on special teams. It's not a very predictive stat. Chances are you'll be more, you'll be healthier also. I mean, it's just luck of the draw type of thing. But also if you reversed all their one score games from last year, they wouldn't have been seven and nine. They'd have been four and 12, you know, which just shows that they're, you know, people are scoring more points than they are, and that worries me a little bit. Um, a couple other things that stand out, too. They they started with some of the worst field position in the league last year. I would think that ties in with – well, it does tie in with special teams. I would think that comes back to the mean a little bit. But I also don't think their defense is great. And another thing that's kind of promising is – amazingly they committed 375 yards more penalties than they were awarded. I mean, that's like a whole game of yards that they gave their opponents through penalties. And I know they're the Raiders and they're nasty and Al Davis would like that, but that probably isn't going to keep up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's not the best thing. A full game's worth of, of penalty yardage that you gave away to opponents. Um, And that would seem like something John Gruden would, be able to clean up and you know sometimes those fixes are incremental and I'm interested to see what that looks like and what it looks like on offense and just the more I thought about what we talked about with how they're building the offense there and I love the idea of Tyrell Williams who's a great downfield threat and you bring 427 speed in with Henry Ruggs on the other side does that fit Derek Carr's strengths or are those going to be decoys on the outside and we're going to see a lot of Derek Carr moving the chains dumping it off to Hunter um kind of Renfro inside or dumping it off to their running backs, Lynn Bowden, the rookie who was, uh, you know, I, I think going to be a fun player to watch in, uh, in Las Vegas. And of course, 
Josh Jacobs in his second year who, who can catch the ball too out of the backfield. So I wonder, uh, Darren Waller at tight end, I wonder if those guys are going to be the featured players and then they're, they might hit some big plays. But I don't know if how they've built the offense is necessarily Derek Carr's strength. And I don't know if Derek Carr has that extra level of being better than he already was last year because I think we saw some of the best Derek Carr quarterback play so far. But maybe that's the coach and maybe there is still a little bit more with Derek Carr. So those are some of the questions I have about offensively how things were go but I do like the defensive side of the ball how that's taking shape so I think some of those games can be a little bit closer and if the offense can just score a few more points we can see some of those one score games stay in Las Vegas's favor rather than the other team's favor I I love what you're saying there about the offensive passing game roster construction design and Part of me thinks, well, maybe they're not designing it for Derek Carr. <laughs> they're designing it for someone who's in college right now yeah. or you know, a quarterback to be named later. This is the way we want to play football, and if our quarterback doesn't excel doing it, we'll find someone that does, although I don't think that's Mariota. I think he's very Carr-like. Um, but I also think that having a Ruggs, a Williams – certainly opens up the underneath and intermediate passing game too. I think it gives more room for the Wallers and the Renfros and those type of guys. So even if you're not guns to blaze and throwing it deep all the time, uh, it, it will have a positive spin for those around him. And it's funny, I just sorted that that net penalty yards thing because I was like, wow, 375. It has to be close to the league leader. And it is. I mean, the Jags were the third worst at minus 286, but New Orleans and Oakland were at minus 349 and minus 375. The Raiders were the worst, but those two teams were light years worse than everybody else. Um, pretty crazy, really. I mean, you give the other team 375 yards in a year of penalty yardage. I wouldn't. I wish I had this information. I know you don't have it on hand, but I wonder what John Gruden teams have been like throughout the years, penalty wise, because it doesn't seem like something that Gruden's teams would. It doesn't seem like a place where Gruden coached teams would falter. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does coach yeah, teams that I are uh, among the lead league leaders in uh, penalty yardage and things like that. But that would seem to me to be something that there is somewhat luck and it would regress to the mean anyway. But a well-coached team doesn't have that much of a, of a difference in penalties. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a big detriment. I mean, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, but again, when I look at going forward, I look at something like that as a positive and think, well, chances are they're not going to lead the league by a wide margin again in giving away penalty yardage. It'll probably be in the middle of the group, which gives them a better chance to win more games. Still, I don't think they get the seven and a half. And I like the running game there, too, with Josh Jacobs in mm-hmm. his second year and how good that offensive line is and the play action game that should happen there. And if you're a defensive coordinator and you say, well, OK, we're going to stack the box, we're going to put eight, nine in the box right now. Derek Carr is not the greatest downfield thrower, but you're not going to sit there and not have a safety deep or not have two safeties deep with what they have out there with that speed with Ruggs. And Ruggs can take a short pass the distance, too. I don't want to pigeonhole him in in as being this downfield guy because he can can run the route tree and is probably underrated as far as a route runner goes, and he can take a slant to the house real quick. Yeah, and I don't think people realize that yards after the catch is very much a quarterback stat, and I think that's something Carr excels at. I mean, get it out quick, accurate, right where he can catch it, 
couple inches in front of the numbers, hit him on the run and let him go. And I said this a ton going into the NFL draft that I don't necessarily want Henry Ruggs on my fantasy team, my dynasty team, but I think he's going to have the biggest impact on his new team of any of these receivers in the first year, basically for the reasons you mentioned, you know, I mean, of course they're going to take a couple shots deep. I mean, Derek Carr can throw the ball deep and he'll probably be off play action, max protect fine. But that's the threat is going to be harder to, to deal with that power running game, big physical line, a good back. And the Darren Wallers and Renfros and guys like that that we mentioned before are going to be really happy Ruggs is there. Speaking of Henry Ruggs, he came up lame. He <laughs> right. came up with a little bit of an injury this week. We'll get to that. The Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer had some interesting comments about why the team traded Stephon digs in that maybe that wasn't even their plan we'll get to some of that stuff and some other news next okay matt i know you saw this story henry ruggs hurt his thigh but it wasn't even working out he was helping a friend move i mean that's bummer you're trying to be a good friend and now put your rookie season in detriment i don't think it's a very serious injury but um you know with a truncated off season for rookies and you don't want to show up in training camp hurt because that'll always derail a rookie season yeah and I mentioned this is the time of eternal optimism. You know, everyone's going to be, all your draft picks are going to hit. No one's going to hurt. Well, usually it's also the time that GMs and coaches cross their fingers and hope that players don't do something dumb, like get arrested or uh, hurt themselves playing basketball or who the heck knows. I mean, there's a lot of ways people can get injured. You know, Ben Roethlisberger wrecked his motorcycle, you know, those type of things. Um, that every human deals with. And why I thought this rug story was interesting is I'm just curious that now that the world is opening up finally, are a lot of young men from age 20 to 24 ish, you know, youngsters in particular, going to go hit the clubs harder? Are they going to go skydiving more? You know, yeah. are they going to just break out and take more risks than they would? Are we going to see more? injuries, more arrests, more things like that. Um, I'm just curious because it's such a weird year, you know, and are there more people that got hurt that we don't know about that isn't reported working out on their own without a trainer? They decide, I'm going to pull a car today. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird year. I bet there's going to be more stories that pop up that, without question than that are unusual. Or some players that didn't work out at all. They weren't quite self-motivated enough. Yes. And, and all of a sudden they stand on a scale in July and are like, oh, I just gained 25 pounds. Because we're talking about big dudes that can probably put pounds on quick. For you and I, it'd be five pounds. For a dude who's already, you know, 305 pounds, Speak he shows yourself. up at 325 and is like, uh-oh, I got to get into shape here and use almost right. like the old days, right? Where you had an, an off-season job and you use training camp to get into shape. So I think we're going to see some of that as well. And of course, there's a potential spike in in COVID-19 because more people are just going to be together. So that's another aspect of this. Not only people getting into trouble themselves and, and their vices, and obviously a lot of people are probably ready to go do something socially that's going to have a ripple effect at some point. So that those are all questions that I'm sure we're going to find out about some folks that uh, do some bad things or some folks that maybe develop some bad habits or their bad habits got maybe magnified a little bit when they were sitting at home so much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, how many football players out there, and especially even at the college level too, like have a hammy that they didn't tell their coach about or 
have a stationary bike in their basement like a lot of us do. And yeah, yeah, I've been riding the bike. I'm in shape, but that's not quite the same as working out with the team <laughs> yeah. and the trainer and, you know, in the gym. Um, or they think they have it covered or they're covering up something that already is bugging them. I just think there's going to be a lot of things revealing themselves in the next month or so as the world opens up. And it's, it's a battle too, because I've got the, the spin bike and I bought this really nice set of adjustable dumbbells. And this all happened early in the year, right before the, the shelter in place. So I was lucky and I was glad that I got this stuff for our little home gym here, which is actually right next to where I'm recording this in my podcast studio. I'm staring at it right now. I should probably go get on this right after the podcast. But uh, I feel like I'm working out more than I have, but it's not. I'm not seeing a net gain because I'm so <laughs> uh, inactive the rest of my day. You know, just normal stuff where you would be active. So you have to work just to just to stay at a level you were already at. So I'm not even seeing any gains there. So I'm sure some some folks are are running into that. And these guys are already in much better shape, obviously, than we are. So I'm sure it's a lot easier for them to stay in shape and and get some of this done. And I've seen some people kind of, and I think some some players have been quiet about how much they've been together and actually working out and throwing. And I think some folks have actually been together and working out, maybe not uh, distancing as much as, you would think because that's just what they do and they've been out doing it and just been a little bit quieter about it. Not as much on the Instagram. Yeah, that's probably true too. Um, I also think when we get to mini camps and certainly training camps and hopefully a preseason, uh, we may see a spike in pulled hammies and things like that yeah. too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause it's a different kind of workout. You see that Absolutely. a lot with prospects cause they, they train for these events at the combine. Then they get back to on field work and in the rookie mini camps, they hurt a hamstring cause they haven't been running routes. They haven't been doing normal football stuff. What's the Matt, what's the weirdest injury you've had speaking about? And I don't know how you hurt your thigh helping a friend move. I've moved multiple times and it's always a pain in the ass, but I've never gotten injured doing it. Have you ever gotten injured doing something that you shouldn't be injured doing? <laughs> it's amazing. You just asked me that to be honest with you. And we did not pre-rehearse this or we did not have this conversation because I'm going to shock you. I'm pretty sure I broke my pinky toe last night. And (laughs) (laughs) it is unbelievably black and blue. And I had my hands full. I was coming downstairs and it was like midnight. And I accidentally like kicked these boxes with no shoes on. And that pinky toe I think is broken. I tried to take the garbage out before we ah. took the podcast. I could I could barely do it. I can barely walk up steps. I've never broke a bone in my life, but it just so happens I'm pretty sure I broke my pinky toe last night, basically doing nothing. That makes me cringe because that like a pinky toe it is one of those things kills. that I, you hit it all the time and you know you kick your bedpost or whatever it is and it hurts so much and just it makes me cringe just hearing you talk about it everyone's done that or you know the door opens on it or i'm often like barefooted around the house so it's happened a lot and when it happened originally i'm like "Ooh, that really hurt and then never went away like it's that constant feeling now for about you know about 12 hours and it blew up like crazy i it's got to be broken and it it, like it affects your balance like i walk funny i I, it's not good i'm not happy about it at all so you're not going to be running routes anytime soon no, and I was planning on walking the neighborhood and staying in shape like we talked about. I can't even get up the steps. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. Okay, let, let's stay on the subject of wide receivers. This is the last a bit of news we can get into today. This is from Mike Zimmer, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He said on the Rich Eisen Show, honestly, Diggs did not have to go. 
which is interesting because they sent Diggs packing. He said, right. quote, we really didn't have any intention of trading him. Quite honestly, he put out a couple of tweets and there were some things going on there. But Stefan worked extremely hard. He practices like crazy. He wants the ball like all receivers do. Really, what happened was Buffalo came in and gave us all those picks and we were up against it in the salary cap. So we just felt like we could save some money, get a bunch of picks, maybe get a young wide receiver like they did in Justin Jefferson that we got. Uh, so I wish him well. He's a good kid. He worked very hard for me. So that's the story behind Stefan Diggs. They weren't shopping him, apparently. I half believe that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the part that I don't believe is, boy, Buffalo just blew our doors off with an unbelievable offer. I thought it was a fair trade. I didn't think it was a lopsided godfather offer you can't refuse. I mean, it was a nice haul for a young receiver, but it wasn't an amazing amount of picks. I mean, if any team would have said, nah, I'd rather have the dig side, I would certainly understand. So I'm not quite sure of that. I'm sure they made it pretty clear they would field offers. But let's not forget the Vikings were by far the worst team in terms of cap space going into all this. So money was a big factor. I mean, Everson Griffin got cut. I mean, got, you're a good football player, Linval Joseph, that they've had to move on from. So it, it was a, you know, cost-cutting offseason and that helped you know that that you know that made that a little easier for him somebody had to go a lot of people had to go Diggs isn't making that much money though 14 mil per year but he's gonna yeah through 2023 so I, that's not a contract that you're like I, we got to get rid of this contract and I know the Vikings no, are up right. against it and then looking at the picks they got so they got that first rounder they used on Justin Jefferson they got a fifth a sixth and then a future fourth so it's a, it's a nice haul for Stefan Fine. Diggs for sure but then they also ended up with remember the Vikings had that weird draft they ended up with 12 maybe more draft picks they had I a think ton it's 13 of, or 14 yeah and not all those players are going to make the roster so at some point it's it's just uh it's unnecessarily unnecessary volume of picks so when you look at it that way did they hit on those fifth sixth rounders or would you rather have money in the bank and, and know that you have a really good player because at best you're still getting worse in the short term for a team that's in win now mode that should be in win now mode because they're a good team in Minnesota. You're getting worse going to a rookie wide receiver and is Jefferson ever going to play to the level of Stephon Diggs even though he is a first round caliber guy? Right. And I mean, if we were, I know Bill Barnwell did this on ESPN. He ranked all the off seasons. I would have the Vikings pretty low if we were to do that. Like, I don't know. We were just talking earlier in the show. It's it's the time of eternal optimism. I, I look at the Vikes and think they're probably worse on paper than when we saw them last. The last quote I love, we'll finish with this from Zimmer about Stefan Diggs. He said, really, if you said somebody was a pain in the butt, you probably wouldn't say him. I've been around worse guys than him. So he's really trying to drive home the idea that they didn't just send him because he was a squeaky wheel. Okay. And Maybe that's also a message to the rest of the team that, you know, if you make a lot of noise, that doesn't mean you're getting out of here too. People did have to go, but, you know, he wasn't the most cost-effective one to deal, like you mentioned, you know. And uh, I, I said this before. This is another, you know, football thing, not squeaky wheel thing. The Vikes' first-round pick next year might be a wide receiver. You know, like they have two guys, and it, what if Jefferson's just okay? Or what if he's good and Thielen starts to get old? You know, like – they're, they're they're not solved. They did not solve their wide receiver problem. Or speaking of hammies, what if Thielen right pulls a hammy and right. he's not ready to go week one? What's that wide receiver group look like? Or what if he hurts himself helping a friend move? You know, 
Exactly. And I think they'll <laughs> live in, you know, Irv Smith's a breakout candidate for me. I think there'll be a ton of double tight end sets, but you got to wide receivers. All right. We're out of time here, Matt. Good stuff. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with our friend, John Ledyard, former host on the network, doing great work with the draft. He recently dropped with the help of some friends and a few folks that I really respect their opinions, a top 100 players in the NFL list which I think will be fun to go through. So we'll talk to Ledyard tomorrow. Of course, a Twitter Thursday coming up as well. More guests this week, next week, throughout the offseason right here, Locked on NFL.